All right, so we'll say good morning. We, we managed to have uh, an incredible, incredible daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking our sponsors, to thank our Tamatora sponsors, Adam and Yudit Benzev, for dedicating all the Shurman Joshua's this month in honor of their children, Jake, Serena, and Rosie, and our week of learning sponsors, Yehud and Jennifer Goodhart, commission of the Arzite of Jennifer's father, Yeshai Zalman. Ben Lazar, we hope they know the merit of our Tamutora, the Neshama have an Aliyah, and the family a Nechama. So we'll say with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Samech and really, really an incredible, incredible daf ahead of us today. So today's daf is Samech we are picking up Emir Tzashem on Samech Hei Amud Beis. And we left off, we left off Gzeira, we left off two four, six, seven lines up from the bottom. So remember again, we're trying to figure out the following. Rabbi Huda, the Gemara just introduced a totally new and unrelated statement of Rabbi Huda on Samachayim Adalif, which was that, right, remember again, the case of the Machzah Shekel, which was contributed. Townspeople contributed through a Shaliach. What happened? Shaliach was either robbed or the money was lost. The money was lost. So what happens? So remember again, the Rabbi Huda said that how well the, the Rabbi said they have to contribute another set of ma- So I'm sorry. Let me say it again. Townspeople contributed matzah shakel. The shaliach was robbed or he lost the money. So he takes the shvuah depending on when, depending on what occurred, depends on who he takes the shvuah to, and they contribute another matzah shakel. The Mishnah's case was then what? They found the first matzah shakel. So now both are consecrated. So what do you do with both? Rabbi Huda, remember again, what did Rabbi Huda say? What can you do? What can you do? Allocate one matzah shakel for next year's collection. So you see from here that Rabbi Huda holds that even if something has been consecrated for this year, it can go ahead and be directed to next year's use. The Gemara then was contrasting that with the case of Yom Kippur, of the par and the Sawyer, which were lost. They were lost. Therefore, again, you designated a second replacement pair, par and Sawyer, and then before offering them up, you find the first ones. So what can you do? So Rabbi Huda holds, Rabbi Huda says, that you have to let them die. You just let them die, right? Gemara says, Kulam Yamusu, Devi Rabbi Huda. So we're trying to reconcile that. Why doesn't Rabbi Huda say that you can just use the par and sire next year for Yom Kippur? Right? What's the big deal? Why, why do you have to go ahead and let it die? So that we've been trying to figure that out. That's pretty much been our entire discussion through the entirety of Samachim Abe. So we're still in the middle of that discussion. Gemara says, Rather, Alexeira Mishum Chatas Sha'avrashnasa. Rather, what's the concern? Oh, the concern is like this. The concern is that the chatas of Yom Kippur must be an animal that is within one year old. If you go ahead and you keep it till next year, there's a concern that it may be over a year. The Gemara says, maybe over a year. Kazerihi, Guf, Gemara says, Kazerihi, Kufa, Chata, Shavash, Nasihi. What are you talking about? Maybe over a year. Of course, if you leave it till next year, it'll be over a year. To which the Gemara says something very interesting. Hello, Kashio. Kerebi. It's possible, I'll say an interesting case, that you could have a situation where the animal could still be within its year. How could that happen? Listen to this, because everything depends on what? How you count a year. This Sanya, listen to this, unrelated discussion, Shana Tamima. So we'll say, listen to this. The Torah says as follows. If you go ahead and you sell property in Eretz Yisrael, you have a certain window of redemption. Certain window of redemption. So if you go ahead and you sell a home in a, in a walled city. 
or we're selling a walled city, you have up to one year after, meaning you being the seller, you have up to one year after the sale to go ahead and redeem your property. So it's interesting, I will say. It's interesting. And after that, and after that, interestingly enough, the sale is final forever. It does not even revert back during Yovel. Very interesting halakha by border cities. Sefer HaChinuch explains that the reason why border cities are different is because often, oh, I'm sorry, walled cities. Often walled cities were border cities, right? B- right? Border cities are the front line of security of Eretz Yisrael. In order to maintain the proper security, you can't have property constantly changing hands. In other words, part of the security system of a border city is that the residents know each other, trust each other, and are able to work as a cohesive unit. If property in border cities is constantly changing hands, it erodes the security. So therefore the halacha is, if you sell a home in a walled city, you have up to a year to redeem it, but if you don't redeem it, that's it. We're done. We're done. It's not, it's not reverting back to any ancestral hands. So I will say, here's the Shaila. How do you count the year? So listen to this. So the Gemara says, Shana Tamima, Mona Shlosh Milsu Shishim Echamishan Kaminim Osacham, Divir Rebbe. Rebbe holds a year is 365 days. That's how you count the year. 365 years, 365 days. Take a look at Rashi. Omer Mona Shin Samechei Yomim. We'll say you count 365 days, even if it's an Ibriya, right? Even if it's a leap year, even if it's a leap year. So therefore, again, the one year anniversary of the sale may or may not come out on the same calendrical date. And remember, again, even if it's not a leap year, it may not come out on the same calendrical date, depending on whether or not the months are Mali or Chas, are they complete months, are they deficient months? You count 365 days from the day of the sale, and that's your window of redemption. That's Rebbe. Vechacham, vechacham, say no, monim chodesh miyom liyom. No, you count 12 months. So a year, a year abose means one year later on the exact calendrical date. Look at Rashi. Vechachamim omrim. Hakol kimoshe yisrael monim yudbeis chodesh miyom liyom impshutehi. Fine. So, say, so according to according to Chachamim, you count twelve months. Aye. So what about Tapa of Samech Vav? Abra. What happens if it's a leap year? So Nisabra Abra Ultimately, again, that extra month goes to the seller. So we'll say if there is an extra month, so the seller himself has an extra month of redemption. Take a look at Rashi. First Rashi. Bless you. Top Rashi. Samech Vav Medalev. Listen to this. So according to the Chachamim, it turns out that if there is a leap year, so really the seller gets an extra month of redemption option. Because essentially, according to the Chachamim, you pretty much have until the same calendar day of the following year to go ahead and exercise your window, your, your, your redemption option. Now Rashi points out over here, So we'll say ultimately again, according to Rabbi, interestingly enough, where you have 365 days, it is possible that you can get to the next Yom Kippur, depending on how the months are, and still be within the one year window. So the idea is, the idea is, so let's just jump back for just a second. So the idea that the Gemara is saying is, do you know why according to Rabbi Huda, 
if you, you can't keep the par in Sawyer until next year, do you, do you know why that is? Because halacha lamaisa, you may be outside of the one year window for a chatos. And he says may, because it is possible to construct a case where the animal could still be within a year by the following Yom Kippur. Good. So the Gemara says, Hatinach Sawyer. So we'll say, remember again, the only animal that has to be within a year is the Sawyer. So I understand you tell me you don't want to keep the Sawyer until next year, Yom Kippur, lest it be outside of the year. What about the par? Par ma'ikalameimar. So both say, interesting enough, the par is three years old, right? The par is three years old. So why would there be, a, why, or up to three years old, why would there be a concern with keeping the par? So the Gemara says, gzera par atu soyer. This is the same type of, 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 of reasoning that we used in yesterday's daf. We're concerned that if we let you keep the par, you'll come to go ahead and keep the soyer. So the Gemara says, umishum gzera yamos. So really, so because of gzera, because of a concern, that if we let you keep the power, you'll come to keep the sorry, we're going to let all of these sacrificial animals die. Vod, furthermore, furthermore, I will say again, let's talk about this. What do you do with a chatas that's aged out? Right? What do you, what do, you do with a chatas that's aged out of service? Literally, literally, not a metaphor. You set it out to pasture. Right? When, when you age out, you're set out to pasture. So the Gimar Sadamre Shlakish, Chata Sha'arashnasa, Rowan Osa, Ki'ilu Hi Omedes, Vebeisakvaras, Beroa. Because mostly we see a Chatas that has aged out. We go ahead and, we go ahead and view it as if it is grazing in a cemetery and therefore is simply inaccessible. The reason they call it grazing in a cemetery is because then a Kohen can't get it. Right? So it's out in pasture and you can't get it. Now well, so look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi is a row in Osa. Interestingly enough, what do you begin to see from here? You begin to see from here that even if something, see, the Gemara is suggesting that in this case of parents Sawyer, remember again, a very specific case, I have a parent for Sawyer Kippur, I lose them, I go ahead and appoint or, or, or yeah, appoint replacements, then I find the original ones. Rabbi Huda says you have to let them die. You have to let the original ones die. And we're trying to figure out why. So now the Gemara is suggesting because Rabbi Huda is concerned that you'll go ahead and come to keep this Sayer for next year and the Sayer will be aged out. The Sayer will be aged out. I, what about the par? We're concerned that if you go ahead and let you keep the sar, you'll, I'm sorry, let you keep the par, you'll come to keep the sawyer and potentially end up offering up as a chatos a sar that has aged out. But the most, I understand, if animals age out, there's a different way we deal with them. How do we deal with them? We set them out to pasture. So Rabbi Huda, still, why, why are you telling me that the animal has to be left to die? Just put it out to pasture then. Elo amarava gzera mishum takala. So we'll say, now we finally come to the answer. What is Rabbi Yehuda really concerned about? Because we'll say, Rabbi Yehuda is taking a pretty dramatic stance. Remember, Rabbi Yehuda is saying, one more time, I separated out a par and a sayur from Mayom Kippur Karbanos. Right? The par is the personal offering of the Kohen Gadol. The sayur is the communal chatos. I separated out. I lose them. I go ahead and designate replacements. And then I find the original ones. Rabbi Huda says, what do you do with the original ones? You, you let them die, which means you lock them in a room, you starve them to death, and they die. And we're just trying to figure this out. Why? 
why there are other ways, you will say, there are many cases of carbonos that become disqualified for a variety of reasons. And more often than not, we just set them out to pasture. Ryan, what do we do? What do we wait for? What do we wait for? Develop excellent, develop a mom, sell them off, use the money for an adava. Why, why, why is such a severe approach to this case? Here we go. At the end of the day, the real concern over here is that these animals may pose a stumbling block. Or now what that means is we are concerned about misuse. Now, what does this mean? This nan, about to listen to this case. This nan, we learned, this was in Shkalim. We learned, the Gemara says, or yeah, Shkalim also. So you are not permitted to make something hectic or create an Erechva or, or a Chirim. So these are all different ways of pledging things to the Beis HaMikdash. We don't do this today. Today means in the absence of the Beis HaMikdash. Then I both say, I know that I can't donate something actively to the Beis HaMikdash, but let's say I say the following. I have a beautiful uh, gold uh, gold bowl, and I want to say, you know what? I hereby pledge this to the Beis HaMikdash. I know I can't deliver it now, but I would love to set it aside, and when Mashiach comes, I'm going to come and give it to the coin to the Beis HaMikdash. The Gemara, the Mishnah says, you're not allowed to do that today. We don't want you making things hectish. We don't want you making erech vows or cherem vows. Im hectish, vim hectish v'herech v'herem. And if you did it, what if what if you made something hectish, or you made a cherem, or you made an erech vow? Behema te'aker. If it's an animal, it should be uprooted. We'll discuss what that means. Peros sus v'kelem yerkavu. If it's produce, clothing or utensils, they should be left to rot. Moos uklei matachos. And if it's money or metal utensils, which do not rot, you throw it into the Yamamelech. So you see from here, that let's finish. akira, ikur, and I'll say, what does it mean if it's an animal, you should uproot the animal? You put the animal in a room, close the door, and let the animal effectively die of starvation. So the Gemara says, I'll say, so what do you see from here? We don't want you having any of these things around because we're concerned that if you have it around, what's going to happen? You're going to come to misuse and misappropriate. Not even intentionally. Not even, or, I must say, you, you could understand this. Imagine for a moment, you go ahead and you designate an amount of money for the base HaMikdash right now. And you put it in your base HaMikdash jar. Right? And what's going to happen? There's going to be that moment where what? This happens, right? We need some cash, right? And so, okay, I'm going to replenish it, right? I'm going to replenish it, right? I'll, 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 put, I'll put it back. I'll put it, I just want to point out, what happens if you have a tzedakah box in your home? And you're out of cash, and you have in mind that you're going to borrow some money from the stock box. You're going to pledge. Are you allowed to do that? So it's it's, it's a good cash. Right? Technically speaking, you are allowed to do it. Te- right? You can put the IOU. Is it a good idea? No. Very, very, very bad idea. Uh, to even give you, it's, it's a, let's say a person has a tzedakah account. I have a tzedakah account, and for whatever reason, one month, one month, you know, I. I I put all my money in Bitcoin, you know, so I, I go ahead and, and I, I, I need a little cash. Right? Again, I'm, I'm going to replenish it. I just thought, can you do that? Technically speaking, you could do that. You, you, you could borrow money from Tzedakah to go ahead and repay it. Again, good idea. No, 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 no. Very bad idea. So that's the Chazal are saying over here. Technically speaking, can you make, can you be maktish something? Can you make an erech vow? Can you make a chen vow? You could do all of those things, but it's a really bad idea because what's going to happen? You're now going to have consecrated stuff lying around your house. And Chazal said, we don't want that. We don't want that because 
the statistical probability is you're just going to come to inadvertently misuse it. So if it's an animal, let it die. If it's money or, or any type of metal utensil, precious metal utensil or anything, throw, throw it into the Amamelach. Produce, let it rot. Why? Again, I will say this is what's called Mishum Takhala. Because we are concerned that ultimately, again, it will pose a stumbling block. So the Gemara says, interestingly enough, Takhala Demai. What's the stumbling block? Let's, therefore, let's loop back for just a moment. Now, we begin to understand Rabbi Huda's shita. Right? What does Rabbi Huda say? Therefore, if you have this extra par and sotir, we don't want you holding on to it for a year. Because what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're going to end up inadvertently misusing it. So therefore, again, Rabbi Huda, this is better to let them die now than to hold on to it to a year. Because it'll become a stumbling block. Sigmar says, okay, takalo demai. What, what are we concerned about? So the Gemara says, If we're concerned that if you hold on to the par and servium kipper, over the course here, you may come to offer it up as a different carbon. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, nami. So I will say, why wouldn't I have that concern by any case of a sacrificial animal that's set out to pasture? Now, as I will say, we know that one of the ways in which we deal with disqualified sacrificial animals is we put them out to pasture. So why don't you say that in general, we should never allow you to put anything out to pasture because there's a concern that if the animal is alive, you may come to offer it up, inadvertently offer it up as a carbon. So he says, Ita kala de giza va'avoda. And again, if you're concerned that perhaps you may come to shear the animal, the sire, or you may come to work the par, so we'll say, here's the thing most fascinated by. If you're really concerned, right, that you're going to come either to offer up the animal or you're going to come to shear the animal or work the animal, then I understand that should be a concern. Anytime Chazal put forward the Eitzah of what? Yira, let it graze until it develops a boom and then let the money go for Nidava. Why is that ever a viable option? After all, at the end of the day, shouldn't we be concerned about inadvertent, inappropriate usage of the animal? To which the Gemara says, no. In reality, the reason we don't want you holding on to the par in the sir until next year is why? Because we're concerned that you're going to inadvertently come to offer it up. I, why doesn't that apply to other animals? Tarid buhu. So we'll say this is very interesting. We'll say in general, when are animals put out to pasture? When are they put out to pasture? When, when there's a mum. Right? Often, often when there's, again, if you, take, if you look at the paradigmatic case, often when the, there's some type of disqualification in the goof of the animal. We'll say, interestingly enough, in the parent sawyer, is there a disqualification in the goof of the animal? No, this animal is perfectly, uh, these animals are perfectly sacrificially fit. So the Gemara posits, when an animal is perfectly sacrificially fit, that's when our concern is that halacha lamaisa, you may come to go ahead and offer it up. Furthermore, again, I will say, you're holding, you would be holding on to these animals, literally hold, actively holding on to them for sacrificial use for next year. Rashi said, the Gemara says over here, Literally, the Gemara says, Hanach, I'm sorry, Hanach, uh, Hanach, These animals, which are not really fit to be offered, a person doesn't really involve themselves in. Hach, but this parent sawyer, the bas hakravahi, 
Taridba. Ultimately, again, these animals which are sacrificially fit, a person will engage in. I will say, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Hanach delav b'nei hakravaninu, Sharos inon omdos likarev hani asman ela demehen, lo taridbuhu, eno maharher b'akravasan umasiach daite me'akrava didau. Thimar makes a very interesting distinction. In general, when you set animals out to pasture, pretty much those animals already only have financial sanctity. For, for whatever the reason, whether because they have some type of mom or some other kind of disqualification. And remember, the only thing you're waiting for, if it doesn't have a mom, is for the development of a mom. So now you can actively sell it off. So really, in general, when you're putting animals out to pasture, those animals are not really all made to go onto the Mizbeach. And therefore, there's no concern that you're going to come to inadvertently offer them up while they are being pastured. Masha'inkim, in the case of the par and the sawyer, what are you doing? You're actively going ahead and setting aside that animal for use for next Yom Kippur. So you're actively cultivating its carbonic identity now over the course of the next year. That's where there's a concern they may come to inadvertently offer it up. So therefore, both say, it turns out, turns out that bottom line, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the reason why he takes such a severe stance by the extra power of Yom Kippur and doesn't allow you to keep it till next year, but says essentially, let them die now, is Mishum Takala. He is concerned that maintaining a sacrificial entity, in this case, two sacrificial entities, a Parnas Sawyer, for an entire year, for use for next Yom Kippur is asking for trouble. Or is they, they, the statistical probability is that you're going to come to inadvertently use it for something illegal, and therefore Rabbi Huda says, get rid of it now. And so both say, that's, that's the end of that soya. The Gemara just mentions, Vitakala Atzma Tanoihi. They both say, this general discussion about whether or not we're Choshesh for Takala. Are you choshesh that if you maintain something consecrated or sacrificial in your home that you will come to inadvertently use it? Is it machlokes tanoim? Because we say we learned one bride that says Pesach shalokara berishani kara b'sheni b'sheni kara l'shana haba. One bride that says that if you have a carbon, you set aside an animal or sheep as a carbon Pesach and you didn't end up using it for whatever the reason, you could use it for Pesach sheni. And if you didn't end up using it for Pesach Sheni, what can you do? Use it for next year. So this opinion clearly says that what? You could maintain a sacrificial animal in your home for a prolonged period of time. We are not concerned with any misappropriation. And another writer says, no, if you went ahead and you set aside animal for Quran Pesach and you didn't use it, you should not maintain it till Pesach Sheni or to the next year. My love, bitakala pligi. But say, are they not arguing about whether or not to choshesh for takala? In general, the machlokis is, are, do we permit you to maintain a sacrificial or consecrated item in your own for a prolonged period of time? Or, and are we concerned that you may come to inadvertently misappropriate it? The first price seems to say, no, we're not concerned about that. Second price says, yes. To which the Imara says, no. No, li'olam, lo, dukhuli alma, lo, chayshinu takala. We'll say, in reality, everyone agrees. Everyone agrees, I'm sorry. They, well, Zemachlok is in the gears over here. Chayshinu takala. Everyone agrees that in general, we are choshesh for takala. Right? We are choshesh for misappropriation if you keep something consecrated or sacrificial for a prolonged period of time. What's Zemachlok is? Vahacha. They plugged the Rebbe Rabbana come the Gemara. This is very interesting. Here, this is fascinating. The Machlokes is the Machlokes of Rebbe and the Rabbana. Both say, remember again, Rebbe, what was the Machlokes of the Rabbana? How do you calculate a year? Rebbe said a year is calculated 365 days, right? The Chachamim said it's calculated as a calendrical year, a calendrical year. 
right? 12 months, miyom liyom. But again, the exact calendrical date. And if there's a leap year, that extra year ultimately goes to, well, in the case of the real estate real estate transaction, to the seller. In this case, it would be to the owner of the animal. But the carbon Pesach must be a sheep or a goat within a year. So the shayla is, is it, poss- is it even possible to maintain, is it possible even to maintain a carbon Pesach till next year. That's the Machlokis Rabbi in the Rabbanon. Rabbi Harabanon, Aivatanya, Vichinamos. But one second, one second of say the same Braisa that spoke about the Machlokis about maintaining a carbon Pesach animal in your home till next year Pesach also spoke about what? Maintaining carbon Pesach money. Money that you set aside to purchase a carbon Pesach this year, but you didn't end up using it, what do you do with it? One Bryce said, no problem, use it next year. Second Bryce said, no, you can't use it next year. So I'll say that is not your Machlogis Rabbi and the Chachamim, because again, it's money, it's not an animal, there's no year, there's no aging out issue. Rather, we'll say, what do you see? Indeed, there is a machloki. So we'll say, in general, what you begin to see over here, the way the Gemara ends off is that there is a machlokis about or not. So again, there's a fundamental machlokis about do we want you, or do we allow you to maintain something sacrificial or consecrated in your home for a prolonged amount of time are we concerned that if you keep it around, you will end up inadvertently misusing or misappropriating it? So that, the Gemara ends off by saying, that indeed is a machlokes tarin. To loop it all the way back, Rabbi Huda holds that the halacha is yes. Rabbi Huda holds that halacha lamaisa, we are concerned about sacrificial misappropriation, and therefore in the case of where you have additional or surplus sacrificial animals, Rabbi Huda will hold that they must be actively left to die. We don't want you holding on to them for a prolonged amount of time, for we are concerned about misappropriation. But understand, there is another side to the coin. There are other opinions, and not everyone agrees with Rabbi Huda's assessment. Incredible. But say, now we come to another Mishnah, I will say an exceptional sugi ahead of us. Again, back to the service of Yom Kippur. So we'll say, remember again, when we left last the coin, when, I'm sorry, when we last left the coin Gadol, what was he doing? What, what did he just do? Right? So good. Goral, we saw, good, we saw the Goral. The last thing we saw him do was pour out the remnants of the blood by the base of the Mizbeach, right? The last thing he did, I will say, was he went ahead and he went ahead and he took the right, remember, he finished the blood service inside Kodesh HaKadoshim, in the Kodesh, on the Mizbeach, comes outside, pours out the blood by the Yisod, by the base of the Mizbeach. Now we pick up. Balo Remember again, he has already done the Goral, right? The Goral already occurred earlier on. Had, had another Goral already occurred earlier on? Because remember again, I will say, the, the, what, 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 blood, what blood was he sprinkling? Right, the seer and the power. Now the power is not part of the goral, but the seer is. Remember again, he's already sprinkled the blood of the seer Lashem. So the goral already occurred. The seer Lashem is already again Allah Shalom, right? Allah Shalom, right? Zikron Livracha. Now he's coming out to seer Mishtaleach. So listen to this. Balo eats a seer Mishtaleach. He comes to seer Mishtaleach, which is the seer that is sent out. They both say, we have not yet gone through the process of what happens to that soyer. See, now comes out, and he places his two hands on the top of the sar, and he recites vidui. So we'll say now, another vidui on the head of the sir, and this was the vidui of the Kohen Gadol of Yom Kippur. 
Anashe will say, by the way, it is, these, these, these words send a little bit of a, of a chill in our neshama. Because we'll say, you know, it's almost yamim no rain. Isn't that incredible to think about? It's Tammuz. Tammuz, Av, Elul, the year is coming to an end. Elul is upon us. The Zmanachuva, right, is already, I mean, the Zmanachuva is always upon us. But isn't it incredible that again, as we come to the end of this year, we begin to ready ourselves for the Yemei Adin, we get to see the Vidui of the Kohen Golu, Mesvada, Vekachayo Omer, Ana Hashem, please Hashem, Chatu Avu Pashu Lefanecha, Amcha Beis Yisra. So let's remember again, again a little, we've seen this already, Ana Hashem, please Hashem, allow me the opportunity to tshuva, Chet Avon Pesha, remember again, Chet, inadvertent sin, right, Shogeg Avu, Avon, intentional sin, with the intention to satisfy a desire. Pesha, intentional sin, ultimately with intention to rebel. So we go from least severe to most severe. That was the Machlok, as we saw earlier on. Your children of Israel, right? Beis Yisrael has sinned before you. Please, Hashem, atone for the hate, the avon, the pesha. Shechatu v'sha'avu v'shepashu l'fanecha. Ana amcha beis Yisrael. Please, Hashem, atone for the sins of Klal Yisrael. Kakasubisros Moshe avdecha avdecha as it's written in the Torah of Moshe, your servant Leimar. Because as the Pasuk says, for on this day, on this day, I will atone for you to purify you from all of your sins before Hashem become purified. And I will say when the Kohanim and the people who were standing in the courtyard, when they hear the name of Hashem, because most of the Kohen Gadol would not say Hashem, the Kohen Gadol would say the actual name of the Ribbon Shalom, when they would hear this, they would literally again bow down, or I should say, bow, prostrate, and fall on their faces. When you heard the name of Hashem in the Beis HaMikdash, they didn't say Amin in the Beis HaMikdash. They said, Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Liolam Vaed. Incredible. The Yimar says, Masur Lemisha Hayam Olicho. So we'll say that at this point in time, after the Vidui on the Sir Mishtaleach was done, they would give it over to the guy who would take it to, we're going to see where he's taking it to, to the Midbar, to the desert. So the Yimar says, Who, who was this guy? Hakok Sherin Leholicho. So I'll say everyone is permitted, in other words, everyone is permitted to go ahead and take this year, Mishnah In our meaning, it does not have to be done by Kohanim. It does not have to be done by Kohanim. Elo, sha'asu ha-Kohanim gidolim keba, falohayu manichin es Yisrael ha-Olicho. I'll say this is incredible. However, the Kohanim prevented anyone other than Kohanim from taking it. I just want to point out, so the Seer Mishnah can be taken out of the base of Mikdash into the desert, by anyone. But the Kohanim themselves kept the service for the Kohanim. Take a look at Rashi. So it's incredible. The Kohanim kept this service for themselves. They did not allow anyone else to do it. So it turned out that the person who would take the Sir Lazazel 
more often than not, we'll see there was one exception. More often than not, there was always a coin. So the Gemara says, Am Rabbi Yossi, Maisa v'holicha arsala. One time there was a guy, Arsala, who went ahead and took the, took, took the, took the seer, the Yisrahaya, and he was not a coin. Right, he was a Yisrael. So I'll say, so what's interesting is, Rabbi Yossi is saying, the point that the Gemara is making is, yeah, one time there was a Yisrael. One time there was a Yisrael. But in general, the Kohanim kept this avoda for themselves. The Kevesh Hayu, the Kevesh Asulo, so I'll say, this is actually incredible. They made a ramp. They made a ramp. The Kevesh Hayu Asulo, so I'll say, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Kevesh kemin maila asulo shugavoa viyotzi derech osa kevesh chutz la azara vechutz la ir. We'll say this, by the way, must have also been an incredible architectural feat. What they did is they built a ramp from the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash, essentially out of Yerushalayim. They both say now we're going to see essentially what happened over here is they wanted the man who was taking the seir la azazel to be able to exit the Mekdash and exit the city without, without interruption, or really we're gonna see without harassment. That's really, was a, there was a harassment issue. So they made a ramp, which also must have been, must have been a, a very large ramp to be able to get him out. But it's, it's, it's more of what, it's not really a ramp. What really, what is it? It's a bridge. Because also remember again, the Beis Hamikdash is in Harabayas. Right, the Beis is on a mountain. I mean, on a mountain. You know, it's, 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 on, it's on an elevated area. So it really is, you know, it seems almost reminiscent of what other, what, what other bridges do we learn about? The Paraduma, excellent. That's what it sounds like a lot also. Now, the Paraduma, you're linking between two, right? You're linking a valley. You're, you're spanning a valley. You're going from Harabayas, ultimately again to Harazesim. But Lamais is the same idea. You're building a ramp to take you out of Yerushalayim. Why did they build a ramp? This is incredible. Because of the Babylonians. What would the Babylonians do? They would pull out his hair. And they would say to, they would say to the guy who was taking out the seer, Apparently the Babylonians were quite labor dig. And they would pull out the hair of us. They're going to see whose hair were they pulling out, right? Were they pulling out the hair of the? There was were Jews. These were these were Babylonian Jews. They were very eager. We're going to see for the man to get this seir out. Why were they so eager? Because they both say that seir, that seir was an incredible and important mode of atonement for Klal Yisrael. So the Babylonians, in their zeal to achieve a level of kapar, to achieve a level of tshuva, would harass the guy taking out the seer. Now, it literally says, Metal Shemus, so they would pull out his hair. Now, let's say, we're going to see this in Lachlokis, whose hair? Is this the hair of the seer or the hair of the guy? Either way, there was some level of significant harassment going on. Again, harassment coming from a quote-unquote good place, which is they were very eager to, for the guy not to take his time getting the seer out. Get out, get out, get out, get the seer offered up so he could achieve kapara. In order to save this guy from the Babylonians, they constructed a bridge. Good. So we'll say, now let's go to the Gemara. We'll say, incredible, incredible. V'ilu b'nei Aaron ankido shechalo ka'amar. They were saying, here's the thing. The Gemara makes an interesting observation. The Gemara says that when the Kohen Gadol does vidui over the seir, if you notice again, it says, kaper la'amcha beis Yisrael. But it doesn't make any mention of the Kohanim. So why not? So the Gemara says, Man Tana, Amrab Yermia, Jalok Rebihuda, Dikrebihuda, Amr Yeshlam Kapara Bissimishta. So I'll say, it must be that what? That the author of the Mishnah, the Tana of the Mishnah holds, that Halachalamaisa, Kohanim do not achieve Kapara through the Sayyid.
right? Kohanim have, 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 have other forms of, of kapara, not through the sawyer. Not through the sawyer. That's why the vidui only speaks out amcha makes no mention of the sawyer. To which the Umar says, no, no, no. Abai amra filu tim rabbi Yehuda. No, it could even be according to rabbi Yehuda. Why? Atu kohanim lav bechlal amcha yisoninu. We'll say, when the Klein Gadol says vidui, kapra la amcha beis Yisrael, amcha beis Yisrael refers to who? Refers to everyone. Everyone. So, of course, kohanim are included. And that, again, just instead of going ahead and breaking out the multiple factions or groups of klal Yisrael, we just group klal Yisrael as one. Amcha beis Yisrael. Good. Muslim Mishamalikha. So let's listen to this. So now remember again, the Mishnah said, we then give it over to the guy. Now so we're going to see the way the Torah refers to this individual is the Ish Iti. We give this seer over to the guy, and the guy takes it out ultimately again to the desert. And the Mishnah said, anyone is kosher to go ahead and take out the seer Lazazo. Anyone. So here we go. Tan Rabbanon. Ish. So when the Pasik says Ish, Lahachshir es Hazar. Ish comes to teach you that even a non Kohen is fit to take out the seer la'azazel. Iti, what does it mean when it calls him ish iti? What's iti? Shehei mezuman. Both say mezuman means that this individual must be appointed yesterday, the day before. In other words, every Yom Kippur. In other words, on Yom Kippur day, you don't say, okay, who wants to take out the sawyer, right? But rather, again, this guy, this individual must be appointed as of Erev Yom Kippur. Iti, furthermore, afilu b'shabes. But say iti also means that what? You take out the sa'ir la'azazel even on Shabbos. Right? And as well say, we don't say, I, maybe there's a problem with hotzah or other things like that. We go ahead and we take out the sa'ir even on Shabbos. Iti va'afilo b'tomah. Iti means afilo b'tomah. So again, we'll, we'll discuss exactly what this means. But it sounds like even if the individual, the ish, is tome, we still have him go ahead and take out the sa'ir la'azazel. Ish, so, so, let's analyze. so we, we learned out three things, right? Number one, Ish teaches me that what? Even a non-coin could do it. E.T. teaches me that halach lamayis is done even on Shabbos. And E.T. teaches me that even if it's done, that it's done even betumah. We're going to analyze all three of these things. So let's go. Ish lahach hazar. So remember, Ish teaches me that even a non-coin has the ability to go ahead and do the service of taking out the seer da'azazel. So when it says pshita, I was like, what's, what's the chiddish in that? The Torah uses the lotion of kapara when it comes to taking out of the Sir Lazazel. So I might have thought, just like the kapara done inside of the Mikdash requires who? Requires who? A Kohen, so, and then really a Kohen Gadol, so too the kapara done outside of the Mikdash requires a Kohen as well. Kamash Malon, no. Kamash Malon, that Allah Chalamai say, even a non-Kohen, Ish comes to teach me that even a non-Kohen is permitted to go ahead and take this sawyer. Next, Iti Vafilu B'Shabbos. So we'll say, when we say Iti, you do this even on Shabbos, Lamai Hilchosah. We'll say, what is that coming to teach me? So listen to this. Amrav Sheshes, Lomar Shim Hayachole Markiva Al-Kseifo. But this man teaches me that let's say the sawyer gets sick. Let's say the sawyer gets sick. And it can't walk on its own. What's the halacha? What's the halacha? The ish puts the seer on his shoulders and carries it out to the edge of the cliff. Aye, it's Shabbos. It's Shabbos. And there's an issue of hotzah. There's an issue of carrying something from one domain to another. Halacha la'maiseiti tells me you do the service even if it's on Shabbos. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Kiman, who does, opinion does this reflect? The local Rabbi Nasan. 
This is from the Yerushalmi. Because what's the words Rabbi Nason say? The Rabbi Nason, Amar Hachai No Se Es Atzmo. What's Rabbi? Who this Rabbi? Rabbi Nason says in general, there's no problem with carrying any living thing. Why? Because we'll say we assume that a living thing, um, what's the right word? Um, you know, repositions its weight. What it means is a living thing carries itself, which means that a living thing helps in the redistribution of its weight, which is why, again, there's, you know, we have the expression of a dead weight, right? That, that literally, again, carrying something that has from carrying a corpse is, is, is heavier than carrying a regular person because a regular person, even a baby, right? Subconsciously just redispositions its weight. So Rabbi Nassim would say there would be no problem with going ahead and carrying the seir on Shabbos because as long as it's alive, so to speak, it carries itself. So which the Gemara says, "Now, feel Tim Rabbi Nason Chala Shiny." Even Rabbi Nason would say, "When do we say Chaynosi Esatzmo?" That's when a, a person or a thing is living and well. But if the seer is ill, which is why you're carrying it in the first place, it could very well be that it's not really helping in the redistribution of its weight, and therefore, again, that's like carrying dead weight. Kamash Malon, the halacha still is you're allowed to carry it even on Shabbos. So the Gemara says, just as an aside, Amara from Zosomeres. Erev avot sala Shabbos, vein erev avot lem kipurim. I'll say what you see over here is that halacha lemaisa. That what? See, here's what's interesting. When is according to the Gemara right now? When is carrying an issue? Only when Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos, which sounds like Yom Kippur by itself. There is no problem of hotzah, and there is no problem of erev, erev chatzeros, erev tchumin, and therefore, again, the only problem of carrying the animal would be when, would be when, when Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos. I will say now, I'll tell you, Allah we don't pass in that way, right? Allah Yom Kippur is Shabbos Shabboson. So whatever applies on Shabbos applies on Yom Kippur as well. So the truth is, this idea of carrying the animal if it was sick is an issue whether Yom Kippur falls out on Shabbos or the Yom Kippur is just a regular day. Halacha Lamaisa, we will see that indeed that is the Psaq Halacha, that you are permitted to go ahead and carry the serve and become sick. Again, we'll see, we'll see in the Ram in just a moment. Next, Iti Vafilo Betumah. The Gemara said, Iti, you could go ahead and do it even Betumah. What does that mean? So, isn't this incredible? That halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, that if the guy, the, what we call the ishiti, was appointed ultimately again to take out this sawyer, if he becomes tamay, we still have him do the avoda. Isn't this incredible? If he's tamay, we still have him enter into the azar, to the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, in order to get this sawyer and go out and do his avoda. That's what it means, iti. He is appointed for this mission, and even if he becomes Tameh, at the end of the day, he still goes ahead and takes out the sir. So I'll just tell you, this is how the Raman Paskins like all of these statements. This is in Perek Hay of Hilchas Avodas Yom Kippurim. So listen to this. Halacha Yutes, Chala Sayer, if the Sayer becomes ill and unable to walk on its own, Markiva Ak Seifa Vafilo B'Shabbis. You can carry, right? The Ish ET carries the Sayer even on Shabbos. Good. Actually, you know what? Let's, before I get to that, let's do a few more cases. Shalos Rabbi Eliezer. So we'll say, we'll do, I'm sorry, jumped ahead a little bit. So we'll say, so again, so really, with the, so just remember the three drashas. Ish teaches me that even a non kohen could go ahead and take out the sayer. The Havamina was, it says, Kapara by Sir, I might have thought that requires a kohen. Kamash Molon, the Ish who takes out the sayer, could even be a non kohen. That's Aleph. Bays, Bays, even if the sayer, E.T., 
even if the sir goes ahead and we still do it on Shabbos, meaning that even if it gets sick, it has to be carried, you still do it on Shabbos. And number three, ET, even if the ish becomes tame, he still executes his shlichos. Incredible. Weiter. Shalos Rabbi Eliezer. Both listen to this case. They asked Rabbi Eliezer the following question. Chalo, ma'ushir kivak seifon. Rabbi Eliezer, if the seir la'azazel gets sick and can't walk on its own, can the ish carry the seir on his shoulders? Amr lahem, Rabbi Eliezer said to them, Yachol hu laharkiv ani vi'atem. Rabbi Eliezer, don't worry about it. The seir is so strong that you and I could ride on the back of the seir. Okay. What happens? They ask Rabbi Eliezer, what happens if the Ish becomes ill and therefore can't execute his agency? Can Rabbi say the Ish appoint another Ish to execute the Shlichus? Once you hear this case, Reuven was appointed to be the Ish to carry out, not to carry out, but to lead out the Simish Reuven gets sick on the way. On the way, Reuven gets sick on the way. Can he go ahead and tell Shimon, Shimon, you go ahead and you take this here the rest of the way? Amrulahem, Rabbi Lazar says, Rabbi Eliezer said, Ehei b'shalom ani va'atem. Rabbi Lazar said, Rabbi Eliezer said, so they're asking Rabbi Eliezer the Shailah, can Reuven appoint Shimon to finish up the shikhus of taking out the Sir Lazazo? To which Rabbi Eliezer said, everyone should just be healthy. Okay. Dachvo v'lo What happens if they pushed the Seir off the side of the cliff and the Seir doesn't die? I'm sorry, this one resilient sire, right? The sire does not die. Can you go down and kill the sire? Is there a din of going down and killing the sire? said, All the enemies of Hashem should perish. So they asked Rabbi Eliezer three questions, and again, he did not give an answer to any of them. Each time he deflected the question. The Chacham, the Chacham in Paskin in all these cases. Chalam Akiva Aksefo. If the seer gets sick, you can carry the seer. Chalam Shalcho. If the Shaliach who's taking the seer Lazazal gets sick, he can appoint someone else. So the Shaliach could appoint another Shaliach. Dachfu Vlomei. Similarly, again, if you push the seer off the cliff and the seer does not die, Yerev Acharav Vimisenu. You go down and you kill the sir. And Rabbi said, that is indeed how the Rambam paskins in all three of these situations. If the seer gets sick, you can carry it on your shoulder. If the shaliach gets sick and can't execute the shlichos, he could appoint someone else. And if you push the seer off the cliff and it does not die, you go down and you kill the sir. Okay? Continue with the dialogue of Rabbi Eliezer. Shalos Rabbi Eliezer. Ploni ma'alil al We'll say this is incredible. He asked Rabbi Eliezer, Ploni... They, they pointed out to a particular guy and they said, does that guy have a portion in the world to come? So we'll say, so what were they asking Rabbi Eliezer? If you look at Rashi, Ploni ma'ali olam abba, al-adam acher echad shaluhu, ma ma'asav be'inecha. So we'll say, so they, so, they, so they said to him, they said to him, they, they asked him about a particular guy, about his behaviors. That guy, are those behaviors kind of like the kind of behaviors that get you into olam abba? Or chas shalom cause you to lose your portion. And Rashi points out, others say, they were asking about Shlomo HaMelech. Now, now the Navi says that Shlomo had too many wives, and many of them were worshipping idols, and they turned his heart away from Hashem. And the Navi actually says, Shlomo didn't have a portion of Olam Haba. So the Imam is trying to highlight the, the, unfortunate, the unfortunate sinful behavior that Shlomo HaMelech had allowed 
into his home. So others are saying that they were asking Rabbi Eliezer, does Shalom Aleich have a portion of Olam Haba? So again, but we'll just go with the Pashup Shat. They saw a guy in the Shuk, and they were asking, they were asking Rabbi Eliezer, does this guy have a portion of Olam Haba? Are, are, his, are his behaviors the type of behaviors which are Olam Haba worthy? So Amrlei, Lo Shaltuni Ela Alploni. So Rabbi Eliezer said, don't go ahead and ask me about this guy, ask me about a different guy. So I'll say, once again, he's being evasive. So does the shepherd have the right to save the sheep from the, from the Ari, from the, from the, we'll say, we'll, we'll have, we'll stop over here. We'll pick up with this. Okay, we'll have a lot to do tomorrow. say, we will explain Rabbi Eliezer's very strange behavior in tomorrow's daf, an incredible, incredible sugi ahead of us. Why the Gemara skips?